0: Uh, Let's turn to the morning brief. Tim Hudak is here, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Nice to have you, sir. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, John Moore. All right. Well, let's start with what everybody is genuinely talking about, and that's Doug Ford's health plan. And it strikes me that this is not one of those uh, sort of politically motivated things where, you know, Doug Ford and company think we must undo the Medicare system. It just seems like, I, you know, maybe I'm being naive here that Doug Ford is tried, just trying to speed things up.
1: Uh, get, get more surgeries done faster. Look, I, I think the vast majority of listeners uh, to, to News Talk 1010 who are concerned about how long their loved one has to wait for, a, for cataract surgery or a hip or knee replacement, uh, they, they don't care if it's going to be at, at a hospital. They insist, I'm going to wait longer so I can go to a not-for-profit area or to a hospital. They want quality care as close to home and as quickly as possible, and that's exactly what these investments are going to do. It makes a tremendous amount of sense. In fact, John, this is a very modest plan. This is this is not a, a bold reform, even though the government characterized it this way. This is sort of doing more of what has become routine. Look, this is something that is common in Quebec, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and hold on to your seat. The NDP government, British Columbia, does the exact same thing and expanded these services. I, I'm old enough to remember a premier named Dalton McGinty, the Ontario Liberal Party, did the exact same thing. Look, this is going to make sure that we can get more procedures done uh, in the community. I like the notion of clinics that specialize in areas so you know that they're good at it, they can report on it. And very importantly, this will free up hospital resources, operating theaters for more complex procedures that also have very long wait times. It makes a lot of sense.
0: Okay, well, let's stick with uh, things that are associated with the medical profession. And the College of Surgeons and Doctors is effectively closing its uh, building to the public because of the threats they've received. And just by nature of some of the threats that were listed in a statement that I was reading, it just seems this is about the sort of crazy uh, preoccupation people have these days that uh, doctors and the medical profession and big pharma are trying to kill us all. Yeah, it, this is uh, this is sad. I, I don't know how many you know
1: average people actually walk in uh, to the building of the yeah. College of Physicians and Surgeons, but but nonetheless, this is distressing. So, you know, who are these folks? Well, this is the the, the overseer of uh, doctors' professions uh, in the province. They investigate misconduct. They do discipline. They do educational standards and procedures. That's that, that, that's some very important work to do. And uh, now the sort of uh, you know tin headed uh, vaccine conspiracy crowd with really over the top, incredible threats you know, trying to interfere and shut down those important services. It's a shame it's come to this, John. They've made the right decision and hopefully the tin pots will fade away.
0: It is interesting though, because I mean there's a through line here to like the convoy protest where it's not just that they're unhappy about how things are. These particular dissidents actually believe their livelihoods, their futures, and their personal health are under threat. So any and all measures to push back against that is just fine.
1: I suppose so. I suppose that's the nature of this. But, um, you know, there's there's tin hatism. We've always encountered that, John, in our public uh, commentary. It's just unfortunate it has become so extreme and so strong and can actually now damage the functioning of our health, disciplinary and best practice system by standing in the way.
0: What do you make of this business at Opsu where three of their former officers, including Smokey Thomas, are now accused by the union itself of having pilfered their funds? You know, the the night before I'm on the
1: morning brief, with John. I tend to look at stories, think, okay, this John will ask me about this yeah. the next day. It's it's breaking, and and this one broke my heart, and I'll tell you why. You've talked with Smoky Thomas uh, earlier on. I, I knew the guy, I worked with a guy for man ten or fifteen years in provincial politics. He, you know, he you could I've squared off against union leaders, and Smoky could give as good or, or better than he gave it. But he was also the kind of union leader, and I could picture him now, John. I could sit down in my office, he and on the couch. On my left, I'm in my chair talking about the issues in a rational manner. He understood where I was coming from. I understood where he was coming from. I remember seeing Smokey you know, outside the, in the, in the parking lot. He was a smoker uh, having a bit of a drag, and we talked politics as well. I like the guy, and I don't want this to be true. This, this was – I was crestful when I read this, and Eduardo Almeida, another one of the accused, uh, I knew quite well, too. Uh, clearly, there is a problem when it comes to union transparency of their finances. We talked. We saw Jerry Diaz in uniform get a scandal just this past year. Not too long ago, the Ontario Provincial Police Association, the union for police officers, were involved in a scandal of using members' money to buy properties in the I think in the Barbados and run a phony travel business. This is concerning. My, my dad, my mom's dad, Grandpa Dylan, was an ardent unionist. Every year, a CCF or an NDP on a line. He had faith of the sacred trust of union members to represent the hardworking frontline worker who then didn't get enough money. Had very few benefits. I cannot imagine what he'd think about this, how the sacred trust seems to be violated over and over again. We should apply the same transparency, the same reporting mechanisms, how much union leaders get paid, what are they spending it on, a dollar-for-dollar dollar itemization of their finances, to those union members they can hold this in check. This is sad, this looks to be criminal, and it is such a break of the trust that members put
0: in their elected leaders. Um, annual housing figures are in and across the country, which is not entirely informative, and maybe you can speak to that because, you know, a house in Winnipeg is not exactly the same thing as a house in Vancouver and Toronto, but national house prices declined by 12% in the last year. How do you frame that?
1: Yeah, this data comes from the Canadian Real Estate Association. They're our our sister organization for Canada as a whole, so they're nationwide figures. But when you look at them, they do break it down uh, by by province. You know, one thing I really, one of the many things, John, one of the many things I appreciate about your coverage is you're, you're rational and grounded when it comes to real estate. Many other journals, right, it's either skyrocketing or crashing, and the reality is it's often in between. So, sure, prices are down from the peak of a very frothy market, record high prices in February, March of of 2022, but, you know, when you look at year-on-year prices, including in the greater Toronto-Hamilton area, they're actually up slightly from December, the same period. So let's all put that into perspective. What's important here, the most important lesson is for government not to look at stats like this that can be blown up and exaggerated and say, hey, housing crisis solved, prices are coming down. In fact, the affordability crisis for millennials, new Canadians, families looking to move up when the kids come along long, it's actually deepened. Number one, there are fewer homes on the market to choose from. And number two, when you apply the cost of a higher mortgage, more bucks come into your pockets. And get this, economists tend to say that you know one-third of your dollars in your pocket after you pay your taxes should go to housing costs. Any guess what it is in the greater Toronto and Hamilton area? No, it's probably 85, with, Yeah, well, Go ahead. Yeah, 80, 85 cents on the dollar, right? That is a deepening housing affordability crisis. A lesson for government, build more homes that people can't afford. Don't take your foot off the gas. Actually push it harder. Thank you very much for this. Good to have you this morning. Have a great day.